1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. You have that in your left hand. And in your right hand, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 7. And I'd like to preach to you for a little bit on, on this topic. The name of my sermon tonight is, Are You Sure You Want to Follow Him? Are you sure you want to follow Him? Now, be careful before you answer, because I say Him, that's just a pronoun. You don't know the noun yet, right? <laughs> that Him could be all sorts of people. 1 Corinthians 11. I'm glad somebody, I heard an amen somewhere. I, I, I'm so glad, because I know where this sermon's going. So. <laughs> off to a great start. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, Paul says this, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, Paul is, this isn't the only time he says something like this. Earlier in the same epistle, he says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. This is, you, you can equate this to the pastor, right? Because Paul is the one who started this church. And they recognized him as kind of the leader there, even though he, he wasn't static, right? He wasn't staying there the whole time. He was moving about, but they went to Paul for advice and biblical counsel and so forth. And Paul's advice to them was, if you want to learn how to follow Christ, follow me. Now, he also, he gives us a bit of a proviso in there. You follow Paul as long as he's following Christ, you see? So if you can have this diagram in your head, you have Christ as the head, you have the pastor under that, and then you have the church member under that. And the church member is supposed to follow the pastor as long as he's in line with Christ. What happens if the pastor gets out of line? You just keep following Christ, Amen. right? Okay, now let's get Hebrews chapter 13. We got that established. Get Hebrews chapter 13. Same thought, same thought. Verse number 7, Hebrews 13 and verse 7. And the writer here of Hebrews says, Remember them which have the rule over you. Those are the pastors in the church. Who have spoken unto you the word of God. Whose faith, and here's the command, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. Again, there's a bit of a proviso in there. You look to see if this man is practicing what he preaches. You have to consider the end of his conversation. Look at the word conversation has to do with the way you live, the manner of your life. So the man who's up there preaching the word of God, that's fine. That might be true what he's saying, but don't follow him unless he practices what he preaches. But the command there, again, you can see, is to follow that man. So my question to you is, are you sure you want to follow him? And this message, now, you can see how this might be a little awkward for me to preach this, right? Because I'm by no means an Apostle Paul, and it's very awkward for me to stand here and say, no, I beseech you, follow me. <laughs> oh, there's something about that just makes me, makes me cringe. But it's a biblical command, right? And some of you, you're going to graduate, you're going to move on. Some of you are going to find jobs in other places, and this is something you're going to have to ask yourself before you join a church, which, by the way, you should. Lots of reasons to do that. It's a biblical thing to be a part of a local church, but you have to ask yourself, or am I sure that I want to follow him? Now, as we get into this, I'm going to share with you a, a few stories 
just to lay a little groundwork, but before we do that, we need to pray about this, amen? So if you would, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help tonight. Father, uh, we're about to embark on a difficult subject, at least for me to preach, and I pray that God, you'd please use me as a vessel tonight. I believe there's something very important that needs to be said, and therefore, Father, I want you to say it, not me. Please, God, help us turn our attention tonight to your word and to you. Oh, Father, thank you so much for speaking to us today already, but we want something tonight as well. Send us home having heard from thee, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Now, years ago, I, I started off as a missionary in the year 2000. And one actually traveling around in America uh, most of you you've probably heard some of these stories before but I got to visit 120 different churches in 20 months so a little over a year and a half I visited 120 different churches and I had heard in my I'd been saved for a year and then went off to Bible school and finished there in three years so I'd been saved four years and believe me you brother sister I had listened to a lot of preaching this is back in the days of cassette tapes. Everybody remember cassette tapes? Younger folks have no idea what that is. It's awesome, cassette tapes. Yeah, I was still, I was around when there was 8-track. Any of you remember 8-track? Yeah, yeah. Man, you can't tell me nothing until you heard an 8-track, right? <laughs> you ain't lived till you heard an 8-track. In any event, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I had cassettes, I and later on had the CDs. I listened to preaching, and I heard about all these preachers all these pastors spread out across America, these great men of God. And after I graduated Bible school, the Lord allowed me to visit many of these churches and meet some of these great men of God that I'd been hearing about. Maybe I'd heard them preach via the cassette tapes or CDs or whatever it was. And I was so excited. Now, as I met these men, of course, my concept, my thought of what a real man of God was, I was still a very young Christian, so I had... I was in the formative years of my Christianity. I, I wasn't real sure that my definition of a man of God would match that of the Bible or anything, but I knew that these men had a lot of respect uh, from the body of Christ, and I was excited to meet them. All of these men I'm going to tell you about, I'm not going to share their names, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of details, because my intention tonight is not by any means to smear them or say anything mean about them. I learned some good things from meeting all these guys. And I believe all of them had the right intentions. I do. But I must admit, as I met these guys, I did wonder to myself, if I was in this church, am I sure that I would follow him? Now, let me give you a few stories, and maybe you'll understand my heart in this. I visited a church in Alabama, and the pastor there was a young man in his early 30s. he just gotten started in the ministry not too long before that, and he was, the week I met him, he had had a bad, I'd say, month or so. He was so fed up with his church. Oh, my goodness. He had just had it up to here with them. They weren't coming faithful, and they weren't tithing, they weren't going out witness. I just did, just normal church troubles, and boy, this pastor, he, he was fed up. So I met him, and I said, brother, how you doing? Good, good to meet you. And, and uh, he said, brother, to be honest with you, I could, I could use somebody to just sit down and listen for a bit. Do you mind if I just vent a little bit, tell you something? I said, sure, uh, that's fine. A little awkward as a stranger to, to hear these things, but he said, brother, I got so fed up with my church. And, I, you know, long story short, he actually called some of them and was threatening. And the, the conversations got heated so much so that they were threatening physical violence. 
one to another because they just weren't living right and bless God he was going to go all Nehemiah on them and make them live right he got so fed up that he went into his own church and started throwing stuff around now that's that's a hissy fit where I'm from that's what you call a, a full-on hissy fit he starts throwing chairs and I mean just pretty much wrecked the auditorium of his church but he was so frustrated and I remember thinking to myself okay now I had heard this was a man of God uh, is this really the behavior that we would be wanting to follow? And like I said, that, that's, not a, that's not one of the more pleasant memories of a pastor I met, but it's a memory nonetheless. I moved on from Alabama. I met another guy in Oklahoma, different pastor there, and I got in kind of late. Remember, I had to drive all up and down the country, so I got into his church a little bit late. It was like 8, 9 at night, something like that. And I sat down, I was meeting this guy, and he'd been in the ministry not too, too long, but a little while. Good preacher. And right about, I guess we'd been talking about 30 minutes, and he got a knock at the door. Strangest thing, a deacon from another church in town had come to the pastor's office on a Saturday night to meet him privately. Now, I didn't know I'd be there, of course, so, but the pastor lets him in and, and says, uh, sir, how can I help you? And he says, well, I'm a deacon from such and such a church down the, uh, down the road. And, and, he sa- and, and I must admit, this, this older gentleman, he must have been in his 50s, he was very kind and had a lot of polite things to say, had a lot of respect for this particular pastor. And, you know, it sounded like he had all the right intentions. And this pastor, after this wonderful greeting, this pastor says, have a seat, sir. Are you saved? He didn't even get to know him. He said, are you saved? Now, this is a deacon. He just gets right to it. Are you saved? He said, listen, now, if you're not saved, you're going to end up in the devil's hell. I don't care where you go to church. And I thought to myself, whoo, that's how you get to the point, right? <laughs> Who needs chit-chat? Let's just get right to it. And then before the guy left, he said, now listen, you call yourself a deacon. I'm a little bit ashamed of you that you don't know how to answer these questions I'm giving you about being saved. I thought, wow, man. And that deacon shook his hand real quiet and walked out. The conversation was done. I thought, ew. Now, I'd heard some real good things about this pastor, but that conversation kind of took me by surprise. I said, ew, I'm not sure I would want to follow him. Now, remember, I got 120 of these stories, so (laughs) we're all... Not all of them are bad. I went on down the road. I met another pastor in Texas. And this, you know, being from Texas, I was real excited to meet any pastor from Texas, right? And uh, this pastor, I got into town early on a, well, it was a Friday. So him and I went out early on a Saturday morning. We were going to do some witnessing together. And I was so excited because this man had been in the ministry a while. And he, he, you know, I had heard some great things. And we went out door knocking that morning. And we knocked on a door, and this lady came to the door, and you could tell she'd lived kind of a hard life. You know, you can see that on a person's face, right, when they've lived a hard life. And this lady answered the door, and she was kind enough to let us in and offered us something to drink, you know, tea, coffee, whatever it was. And before she could even get to the kitchen, this pastor just dives right in and says, ma'am, because I don't know how the pastor, he, he, I don't know if it was the pictures on the wall or what he had picked up. He said, ma'am, where's your husband? And somehow, I mean, that just got her attention, and they started talking, and I couldn't, he said, uh, eventually, she got a little bit offended that he was asking these personal questions. Where's your husband? You know, are you married? Because he's, he's seeing all these different pictures of kids and men, and, 
And before you know it, he's kind of in a bit of an argument with this woman. And he says, now listen, lady, if you want to get right with God, you're going to have to face this issue of these men in your life. You just can't have men coming in and out, in and out of your life. And I thought, wow, he's dealing with her so harshly. And then asked her, well, where do you go to church? And she mentioned a church in town. And he says, well, I'm going to tell you right now, you have no idea what religion is. You have no idea what it means to worship God. I said, whew, my goodness, man, this guy's getting to the point. <laughs> and I'm a young man, so I'm not going to speak up. I just sit there, you know, the proverbial fly on the wall going, whoa, I'm glad I'm not her. <laughs> I thought, man, I, I don't know. I'd heard some really good things about this man. Do I? Am I sure that I want to follow him? If I were in his church, could I follow him? That, that afternoon, that pastor said, Brother Flick, can we go and do some hospital calls? I said, sure, that's fine. So th this is a common thing. You, you have members in the hospital, so you go to visit them, and he took me along. So also very common, you go into the room, and you pray for the member that's sick, but there's other people in that same room, sometimes, you know, shared room, two, four beds, whatever it is. This room happened to have four beds in it, and as we were walking out of the room, there was a dad there with a sick child in the bed, and the dad said, uh, excuse me, pastor, I heard you praying for that, that lady would you mind praying for my son? And this pastor said, where do you go to church? And he said, well, I, I don't go to church. And he said, yeah, typical. You won't come see us at church, but whenever you have somebody sick, then you want some prayer. He sat down next to that bedside and prayed for that child. And I, and I must admit, he, he, he had some nice things to say to that man afterwards and kind of calmed everything down a little bit, but I tell you what, got my attention. I thought, man, all these people that I heard about, great men of God, whoo, these guys are rough. I went up, to, up the road a few months later. I was in Kentucky. And, man, I'll never forget this. This was one of the most awkward things that I ever did on my deputation uh, time. This pastor in Kentucky, he was a real wild kind of a guy. He's the kind that just was out looking for trouble. Now, I, you know, some guys are just a little more adventurous than others. In this town in Kentucky, every week on a Wednesday, they had a traveling market that would come to that town, and it was just a one-day thing during the afternoon, but because of the traveling market, they had signs up near the CBD, no loitering. Now, do we know that word, loitering? You can't just hang around there doing nothing. So loitering, now when you go to hand out tracts or witness, I don't think that is loitering. But the government doesn't see it that way. The police see that as someone who's just standing around chit-chatting and you're kind of in the way. So it says, it, it was clearly posted, no loitering in the small letters on Wednesday because of that traveling market. They needed that space clear. You know what that pastor did? I had the meeting that night on a Wednesday night. He said, hey, Brother Flick, let's go pass out tracks. I said, great. He took me right to that spot. There's the sign, no loitering on Wednesdays. And he says, stand right here. And I'm standing there like a jerk underneath that sign. And on the Wednesday, <laughs> I thought, well, it's his church, and so we'll do it his way. You know, I'm thinking to myself the whole time, can't you do this on a Thursday? Now, I, I know there's lots of people moving around, but, but do you have to choose that one day of the week? But he did, he did. Now, I don't know if you know the American map much. You, there's no reason you should, but... My next stop was way out in Montana. This is, again, two or three months later. I uh, go up to the northwest, and I'm in Montana, real cold, oh, 
great part of the country, beautiful mountains. And I'm up there in this guy's church. He's got a really good church. This man had been in the ministry for years. And, and to this day, I, I love this brother. He's awesome. He has a beautiful fellowship, well, beautiful, but a, a very sufficient fellowship hall. And what he would do is bring people in periodically and feed them, just like a soup kitchen kind of idea. So he, he had this soup kitchen and he brought a bunch of people, you know, just people either down on their luck or just anybody that wanted to come in fellowship. He offered them soup. So people came and he was giving out the soup and he said, please, folks, I, I'd love to have you in church Sunday. So I, I think the soup kitchen, he did it on Fridays or something. He was just telling me about that. Sunday morning, there they were. A lot of those people that came to the soup kitchen, now they're in church. You know what he does? He gets up in church Sunday morning and he says, now a lot of you are here just because we gave you free food. And I thought to myself, now isn't that why you gave him the free food? <laughs> And he says, but you're not here for Christ. You're here for the food. And, and the rest of that sermon, he gave them some lecker deep stuff from the Bible. I mean, just blow your mind kind of information. Me as a, as a Bible school graduate, I'm sitting there saying, whew, this is meaty, right? This isn't the milk. This is the meat. It got so bad and so difficult to follow that several of those people got up and walked out of the church. But man, the, now, I, like I said, I love this guy, but I, I must admit, I sat in that service and thought, if I was a member of this church, am I sure that I would follow him? You understand what I'm, what I'm getting? I'm laying some groundwork because if I'm going to ask you to follow someone, you need to know all there is to know about that person. I don't want you to just raise the hand and say, man, yes, I'll follow, and you don't know what you're getting into. You need to know what you're getting into, right? A amen? I think that's amen. That should be amen. There's one other story I'll tell you. Like I said, got 120 of them, but I, I went over to Pennsylvania, and uh, this guy, he's he been in the ministry about 20 years. And I, I must admit, I rather enjoyed this. That's just me. But there was a state fair. You know, once a year, these state fairs happen all over America. And so the state fair came to Pennsylvania. And they, you know, big carnival type stuff, lots of rides, lots of people. They're all there popcorn, peanuts, ice cream, all that fun stuff. Everybody's having fun. And this guy walked into the middle of that fair, right into the middle of the carnival, got up on top of some boxes. He was up about from the floor there, about the level of the pulpit, that high up. And he starts preaching at the top of his lungs. And he starts, and now trust me, everything he said was spot on. I mean, he preached Christ just the way it ought to be preached. He talked about the Holy Ghost coming down. I mean, it was good. But it's a state fair. Sure, you talk about some confused people. <laughs> They're walking past going, why is this guy doing this in the middle of the state fair? And some people supported what he was doing, and other people were totally against it, and the people started to fight and argue. Not, not like fists, but just yelling at each other. He's good. No, he's bad. I mean, it... It was an uproar. It was quite a ruckus after a while. And I said, brother, it's time to go, isn't it? <laughs> let's, let's, let's get on out of here. I, like I said, there was a part of me that appreciated the boldness that it took to get up and do what he did. But I must admit, after all I'd heard about him, it was a bit of a shock to find him doing that at that time. Now, these are just a few of the men that I've gotten to meet over the years. And I've had to ask myself, if I sat in that church... Am I sure that I would follow him? Take your Bible. Come to John chapter 6. 
John chapter 6, and let's get verse number 60. John 6 and verse 60, 60. John 6 and verse 60. And the Bible says here, many therefore of his disciples, that's Jesus' disciples. Now, do you understand the difference between a disciple and an apostle? I don't want to confuse you. The, the apostles, those are the 12, special group. Disciples was anyone following Christ, okay? So this is, these are not the 12 apostles. These are just general disciples. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Do you know what Jesus just finished saying in John 6? He just said, if you want to have eternal life, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That. <laughs> What? You know, that would get your attention, right? You, 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 you want me to do what? To go where? To live forever with God. I have to eat your flesh. Is it? <laughs> he had just told them that he was the bread sent from heaven because they were all big on the manna that came down in the days of Moses. He said, if you think that's something, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. Now, you and I don't struggle with that statement, but if you are a first century Jew hearing this for the first time, that somebody wasn't of the earth, that he didn't have a natural birth like everyone else, he, he came down from heaven and thereby a virgin birth, this was mind-blowing stuff. And that's why these people said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? He claims that he came down from heaven and he says we have to eat his body, drink his blood to have eternal life. Bruh. Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? You see, these people that had been following Jesus for, we don't know, weeks, months, maybe even a year by this point, a couple years even, when they heard these hard sayings, they said, man, I, I don't know if we uh, can get behind this guy now. We thought that he was just a miracle-working prophet that would feed the multitudes and heal some sick people, you know, and just help people. But now he's saying some outrageous stuff. I don't know if we can get on board with this. And the more they got to know the biblical Jesus, the less they liked him. And Jesus asked them, doth this offend you? Now what Jesus said, was it true? Yeah. Did they understand it? No. But it was true. He said, does this offend you? Verse 62, what and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? He said, you don't believe that I came down from heaven? What will it take to convince you? If I ascend back up, will that convince you? What evidence do you need? See, Jesus is very reasonable. He's a rational guy. He will give you the evidence you need. He did ascend back up, didn't he? He, in verse 63, when it comes to the flesh and the blood thing, verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The, he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He says, guys, when I said eat my flesh, drink my blood, I'm not asking you to literally do it. The flesh, eating my flesh will profit you nothing. These are spiritual words. I'm giving you an illustration of what it means to receive me and fellowship with me and that's how you would have eternal life so he, he explains 
what he had been talking about so that the people could understand and not be offended. Verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Now, the one that would betray him is Judas, of course. But Jesus also knew that there were some people in that crowd that they were there just for the free lunch. Because Jesus in John 6 had just fed the multitude, the 5,000. He knew that they, they're following because of a free meal, not because they actually believe. Now, it doesn't say that Jesus knew from the beginning that God had already chosen some to go to heaven, some to go. It has nothing to do with that. He knew from the beginning of them following him that they really didn't believe. See, so that's verse 64. Now, verse 65, and he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. That is, if you want to truly follow Jesus the right way, it cannot be based on natural reasons, like he fed me. He provided a job. I was sick and he healed me. If that's the basis of your relationship with Christ, you've built your house on sinking sand. It must be something that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you about your sinful nature and about the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. See? That, that's how that works. Now, verse 66. From that time, and by the way, this is the only six... 6, 6, you'll find in the New Testament. Chapter 6, verse 66, interesting how this works. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. How many? Well, it doesn't say. All it says is many. That means I would take that to mean the majority, even if it's 51%, but many. There were a lot of people that said, if this is the kind of prophet that we're dealing with, we don't want to follow him. If he is going to say these kind of things, we don't want to follow him. You know what I've found? That a lot of people, when they get into church and get involved in Christianity, the Jesus that they get to know is not the Jesus of the Bible. It's the Jesus of commercialism. It's the Jesus of entertainment. It's the Jesus of Hollywood. But it's not the Jesus of the Bible. And then as time goes on, things start to fall apart in their life. And things don't make sense. And they turn to this false Jesus that they have created in their own mind and say, why aren't you helping? You're, that, you got the wrong idea of Jesus. You're not talking to the God of the Bible. I have to admit something to you. I'm a little bit ashamed of myself. I made up all those stories. None of those things happened. I didn't meet any of those pastors in Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, Kentucky, Montana, Pennsylvania. Not a one of them actually exists. Do you know what I was telling you about? John chapter 2, John chapter 3, John chapter 4, John chapter 5, John chapter 6, John chapter 7. All I described to you is what Jesus did in each of those chapters. You see, you hear the story and you say, oh, that guy, I would never follow that guy. Ooh, don't answer too quick. <laughs> because in John chapter 2, it was Jesus who went into his own house. He put a whip together. He didn't just physically threaten them. He whipped them out of his house and tipped over the tables. Didn't I tell you the pastor trashed his own church? John chapter 2. I told you about an older deacon that came, Nicodemus, a Pharisee. 
Over the age of 50, came to Jesus by night. Lots of kind words. Jesus cut right to the chase and said, listen here, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Are you a master in Israel and don't you know these things? That's John chapter 3. John 4, Jesus met the Samaritan woman. He said, give me to drink. And before she, ever, before she could even get the drink, he said, um, madam, go call your husband. She said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you said that right, sister. You've had five. And the guy you're hanging out with now, the guy you're shacking up with, he's not really your husband. She said, well, I perceive you're a prophet. We, we worship the God of Jacob. We worship in this mountain. You Jews, you worship down there in Jerusalem. He said, listen here, woman, you worship, you know not what. That's John chapter 4. Do you know what happened at the end of that chapter? A man said to Jesus, please, please, master, have mercy on my son. He's sick at the point of death. And Jesus said, except ye see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Then he prayed for him and healed him. Guys, every story I told you is spot on. Jesus in John 5, he healed that lame man at, by, the, by the pool of Bethesda. You know what day he did it on? The Sabbath. Why'd he choose that day? Couldn't he have gone any other day of the week? But he did it on the Sabbath. In John 6, Jesus fed the multitude. You can look at it for yourself. In John 6, verse number 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles. See, the miracle would have been God revealing something to them. But that's not why they were following. He says, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. He said, your relationship with me is based on something natural, it's based on your belly, has nothing to do with God at all. John chapter 7, you know what he did? Jesus went to the Jewish festival, state fair, once a year, and he stood up right in the middle of the festival, right in the middle of the feast, and he started to preach. And he tells them all about how he's fulfilling the Old Testament and how the Spirit of God would come down, and the people started to argue. Every story I told you came right from the Gospel of John. You were hearing about Jesus and didn't even know it. Are you sure you want to follow him? My challenge to you is to get to know the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of fairy tale, not the Jesus that we have created in our image but the one that created us in his image, the Jesus of the Bible. And I tell you why this is so incredibly important. When real things begin to happen to you in this life, knowing the real Jesus will allow you to deal with it properly. And you won't be offended when a hard saying comes your way. When something difficult is presented to you, you won't stand back and go, oh, how could God do something like this? If you know the Jesus of the Bible, it will prevent you from going away when things get tough. How many of you know somebody that started off, grew up maybe in a Christian home, and then at some point in their life, something difficult happened, and off they went? Now listen, I... I, I can't just throw out a blanket judgment and say all of them didn't know Christ very well. I don't want to do that. But one thing that will certainly help is if you have biblical knowledge of who Jesus really is. He said, Brother Mike, why are you hammering so much on this biblical Jesus? Well, let me show you from the passage, John 6, verse 67. Many disciples have just gone back and walked no more with him. 
Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? You talk about dwindling it down. Now, if I, I, I might be wrong. How many people did he feed in, at the beginning of the chapter? 5,000 men plus their families. So there's at least 10,000 people there. Many of them leave. Could it be that 9,988 people walked off and only 12 stayed? <laughs> Said, listen, if that's who you really are, if those are the kind of things you're going to say, if that's how you're going to preach, I don't want to follow you. And they left. And then Jesus said, okay. And then he turns to the 12, the ones still with him, and said, what about you guys? You going to stick around? Because if you think this is tough, you just wait and see what's coming next. It's going to get a lot tougher. Look at their answer. Verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You see, their relationship with Jesus was based on the things he was telling them. The things he was telling them was coming straight from God in heaven. Their relationship with Jesus was that of a biblical relationship. It was based on the words. And if there's anything I would love for you to have is a biblical relationship with Jesus. This is the record that he gave to us so that we could know him. That's what God desires, yes? Not sacrifice or burnt offering, but a knowledge of God. Not a knowledge of the commercial God but the biblical God who revealed these things. Not a false Jesus that's fun and wants to be your buddy, but the one who wants to be your Lord, your Savior, your King. That one. Peter goes on to say in verse 69, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So I finish with this thought tonight. Are you sure? That's what he said. We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ. Are you sure that you want to follow him? You sure you want to follow? Peter was sure. He said, where else are we going to go? We can't get the word of God anywhere else. Yeah, what you're saying may not be popular, and we certainly won't be the honorable of society, but we believe that you've been sent from God. We believe you're telling us the truth, and we'll follow you even if that means losing everything. We'll follow you. Are you sure you want to follow him? Let's all stand if you would, please. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed for a few minutes. Caleb will play something softly. The day and age in which we live, so many people have a relationship with God that's based on their opinion and not the Bible. It's based on what they heard on a YouTube video and not the Bible. It scares me to think how many people in this town alone call themselves Christians and have not read the Bible one time. It's terrifying to find people that have been saved for 30 years. They haven't even read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How about you, friend? 
Do you know the Jesus of the Bible or the Jesus that uh, tradition has taught you in this country? Well, may Opa, for my say, is really is is that how you know God? Now I hope Opa told you right, but did he ever show that to you in the Bible? More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God my teacher be. Showing the things of Christ to me. More about Jesus. Oh listen. More about Jesus in his word. Holding communion with my Lord. Hearing his voice in every line. Making each faithful saying mine. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. Friend, if the biblical Jesus walked up and shook your hand tonight, would you recognize him? Would you know who you're dealing with? I feel a little bit bad. I kind of misled you by talking about following a pastor at the beginning. My sermon had nothing to do with that. But before you make some commitment to Jesus Christ to follow him the rest of your life, you need to know who you're dealing with. It'll make the commitment real. Are you sure you want to follow him? I'll pray and close the service in just a moment. Is there anybody here that I can pray for? Would you say, Brother Mike, I'd... I must admit, I really don't know the biblical Jesus that well. I have a picture of him in my mind, but I've never checked it with the Word of God. Is that you? Would you, would you say, preach, pray for me to get to know him better? Would you lift your hand just quick? No one's looking, just between you and me. I appreciate the honesty. You know, the first time you read his story in the Bible, it is quite eye-opening. But the more you read it and get to know him, the sweeter it gets and the more sense it makes. When you first hear it, it can almost be offensive. But that's because we're so used to the way the world does it. And Jesus is so different than the world. But the more you get to know him, the more you want to get to know him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and Lord, there's not a one of us in this room tonight that knows you well enough. We want to continue to know more about Jesus. Father, no matter how many times I've read this wonderful book, there's so many things I don't know, so many things that are still, Lord, just beyond me. I'm so grateful 
that you sent your son to make a relationship possible, to take our sins away, Lord. If there's somebody here tonight that hasn't been saved, God, would tonight be the night that they meet the real you. Lord, we may not be a big group, but we want to be a biblical group. We want our relationship with you to be based on your word. That's, that was the answer, Lord. Where else can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Help us this week, Lord. Give us a hunger to know you more. As newborn babes, help us to desire the sincere milk of the word that we might grow thereby. Oh God, speak to our hearts this week. We want to know you better. Thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts today. Please send us home tonight meditating on your word. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.